We've been in a series, Cross Examination, the sights and sounds of the cross. Today, we conclude that series with a message titled, At the Cross, an Invitation Was Given. At the Cross, an Invitation Was Given. The Lord invited us to peace that passes all understanding. We are living in very strange times in this country and in our world. Jesus warned us of these times. We have wars and rumors of wars. Children are being aborted and abused and trafficked greater than any time in human history. We are divided politically, racially, religiously, economically. We have more people on medication for psychological disorders than any other time in human history. This past year we've lost many of our freedoms. We've lost our friends. We've lost family members to this pandemic. All of us, every one of us has been affected in some way by this pandemic. According to Mental Health America, over 42 million U.S. adults suffer from an anxiety disorder and over 17 million suffer from depression. Youth in America who suffer with major depression is above 3 million and finally 9.8 million U.S. adults struggle with suicidal thoughts. All the numbers and statistics I've given you are conservative, which means there are probably more. We must remember this Easter Sunday what the cross of Jesus Christ in the empty tomb invited us to be a part of. When Jesus died on the cross, according to Hebrews 13, a spiritual covenant was sealed. This covenant of agreement would have been worthless had he not risen from the dead. I'm thankful for the cross. But without the empty tomb, the cross is meaningless. The cross is important because of what it paid for, what it represents. But it loses its value without an empty tomb. Had Jesus stayed in that Jerusalem tomb, he would have been just another victim of Roman tyranny a martyr, yes, but a savior, no. Jesus wasn't the first person to ever be crucified, and he certainly wasn't the last. But as we've taught you the last six to eight weeks, it was a supernatural, cosmic-shaking event that changed everything. At the cross, a war raged, but at the empty tomb, everything changed. Everything changed for human beings. Because as it says in Romans, we have access to God the Father now. The veil was torn at the temple. And the Holy of Holies is no longer for the elite or just one religion or one race. Now us Gentiles get in because Jesus came to make us one. Rich, poor, red, yellow, black, and white, he died for us all. Jew, Gentile, slave, free, we are all one 
in Christ Jesus. I got to be honest with you. The phrase white church gets on my nerves. The phrase black church gets on my nerves. There's just one church and we're brought together by one blood, the blood of Jesus Christ. My text this morning is Ephesians chapter 2 in the New Living Translation. Normally I'm a King James guy, but this morning I want you to hear clearly what the Lord wants to say to you. The Apostle Paul is writing the church at Ephesus, and the goal of his letter was simply this, that God's people learn to live above their circumstances. That God's people learn to walk in peace. That God's people live above, think above, speak above, and rise above the problems that we face every day. He's a God of peace. The Greek word for peace is irene, and it means coming together, a quietness, spiritual and emotional rest. I heard someone say one time, a pastor, I never take a day off because the devil doesn't take a day off. Somebody needs to tell him he needs to get a better role model because even Jesus knew how to rest. You can copy the devil, I'll copy Jesus. You know, because hard work and an addiction to work is also how many of us cope with our anxiety. I believe in hard work. I believe in putting your hand behind the plow, bless God. Working hard. I work hard. A minister's life never stops. But if we don't learn to rest in the Lord and trust the Lord, even when the diagnosis comes in, then we aren't being good stewards of God's grace because we're teaching people that we should rely on man's solutions and not God's sovereignty. In Hebrews, it says the God of peace brought Jesus up from the dead. In the Hebrew language, the word for peace is shalom. If you ever go to Israel and you get a wake-up call, they'll say, shalom, this is your wake-up call. I love it when they do that. The God of peace brought Jesus up from the dead. The Greek text indicates that God the Father went into the realm of death and brought his son out of it. That's why in the Apostles' Creed, before there was a completed canon of Scripture, they would quote that, that Jesus descended into hell and took the keys, amen? And Jesus gave us back the keys to his kingdom. The Bible says in Acts chapter 2, verse 24, that God loosed the pains of death. The Bible also tells us in Acts chapter 5 that this God of peace, this resurrected God of peace, when he was raised from the dead, was seen by eyewitnesses. How is history recorded? For instance, how do we know that George Washington ever lived? Let me, let me tell you how history is recorded. There, there are a few things. First, written accounts. We have written accounts that George Washington lived. The next thing that we have is we have archaeological evidence that he lived. Then you have eyewitnesses. Not just written accounts, but eyewitness accounts. 
We've seen lawyers set out to disprove the resurrection and become converted in the process. We've seen cold case detectives use their knowledge as a detective to try to disprove the resurrection of Jesus Christ, only to come to Christ in that process. People say, well, you know, the disciples hid the body. I love what Chuck Colson said, who was a part of the Richard Nixon Watergate scandal. He said, listen, we couldn't keep 12 men to stay in unity for three months. And you want me to believe that these disciples would be tortured and murdered and future believers burn at the stake for something that was fake? They say, well, Jesus wasn't really dead on the cross. Well, even science tells us that in the second phase, rigor mortis, the blood and the water separates, and when they pierce their side, why would John include that in the Gospels, that both water and blood came from his side? Why? So that we would know scientifically he was dead. They say, well, he, he must have rolled the stone away. <laughs> it weighed nearly two tons. He also, when he was buried, his burial garments weighed 117 pounds if you count the spices that were tucked inside of them. And after the beating he took and the crown of thorns on his head and the mocking and the scourging and even the piercing of his side, he would not have had the strength to get up out of those burial clothes and roll that stone away himself. God the Father in fulfillment with every Old Testament prophecy, raised him from the dead as Savior and King of kings and Lord of all lords. This God of peace is available to you today if you'll trust him. Through the Holy Spirit, it's available to you. If you're saved, his spirit dwells within you, the Bible says in Romans which means that same spirit that raised Christ from the dead can move you from your situation into a higher place of living. There is an upside to a life in Jesus Christ. Paul writes about it in Ephesians 2. What a rich chapter for God's people. It is in this chapter we learn, for it is by grace we've been saved, not of works, lest any man should boast. It is in this chapter where we learn that when Jesus died, we died. But when he was raised to life, we were raised with him. And we are seated in heavenly places with him. You can choose to live your life with your head down, guilty all the time. Oh, worried about what everybody thinks. Oh, my goodness. Oh, I'm just a no good sinner. Yeah, you want to live like that, you go ahead and live like that. But listen, I serve a God of peace and a God of grace. I will not be defined by my struggles and you shouldn't be defined by yours because that struggle ended on the cross and a spirit has been placed on the inside of you that will persevere and pull you through. It's a powerful, powerful text. Beginning with verse 11, chapter 2. Don't forget that you Gentiles. Somebody raise your hand and say, that's me. 
used to be outsiders. You were called uncircumcised heathens by the Jews who were proud of their circumcision, their religious rituals, even though it affected only their bodies and not their hearts. See, religion is about what we do on the outside. Spiritual conversion is about what happens on the inside. Have you ever been called a heathen before? I have. Uncircumcised heathen. My goodness, that's what we were. We were living apart from Christ, it says. We were excluded from citizenship among the people of Israel. And you did not know the covenant promises God made to them. You lived in this world without God or without hope. I mean, up until this point, if you weren't a devout Jew, the kingdom couldn't be yours. Oh, my goodness. But now. Somebody say, but now. Oh, my goodness. I'm thankful to serve a but now God this morning. Amen. This is what I used to be, but now. It's what they said about me, but now. They gave up on me. They abandoned me, but now. They pronounced me dead, but now. They rolled a stone over the grave, but now. <laughs> we have been united with Christ Jesus. Once we were far off, but now we've been brought near by the blood of Jesus Christ. Now, every promise from Abraham is ours. One new man. One church, one baptism, one blood, one Savior. It is ours. Verse 14. For Christ himself has brought peace to us. Everybody say shalom. He united Jews and Gentiles into one new man. In his own body on the cross, he broke down the wall of hostility that separated us. He did this by ending the system of law with its commandments and regulations. Sounds a lot like grace to me, Seth. Rules and regulations and law and religious nonsense won't save you, friend. The only thing that will change your heart and your mind is a resurrected king. He made peace between Jews and Gentiles by creating in himself one new man from the two groups. Together as one body, Christ reconciled both groups to God by means of his death on the cross and our hostility towards each other was put to death. So you can't hate your neighbor. You have to forgive your neighbor. Ooh, it's stepping on toes on Easter. God, you're supposed to, you're supposed to smile a lot on Easter. You're not supposed to step on us. Jesus died to make us one. You can't hate your brother. You've got to forgive. He brought this good news of peace to you Gentiles who were far away from him and peace also to the Jews who were near. Now all of us can come to the Father through the same Holy Spirit because of what Christ has done for us. When you come to the Father by way of this cross, there are some things you need to bring with you. There are some things you need to leave at the cross and at the empty tomb. I want to give you three things, and then we're out. The first thing you need to bring to the empty tomb and to the cross 
our insecurities. We all struggle with insecurities. We've all, we all have trauma in our lives. Maybe it's a childhood divorce. Maybe it's a traumatic event. Maybe you were abused, abandoned, left alone. Maybe you struggle with self-doubt, jealousy. I don't know what your struggle is. I only know what my struggles are. But we all have them. God saved you by his grace when you believed. And it says here in Ephesians that we can't take credit for this. It's a gift from God. Salvation, it says, is not rewarded to us by the good things we've done. It is a free gift. We can't boast about it. We are God's masterpiece created in him. If God created you, then why do you hate you? When you hate yourself because of the hurt that you're harboring, you're hating God's masterpiece. You know the greatest commandment, love your neighbor as yourself. You can't love your neighbor if you hate yourself. And you hate yourself because someone hated you first. But you need to replace that way of thinking with Christ loves me died for me and I love him because he first loved me you have to change the way you think bring our insecurities to the cross things that we're ashamed of our struggles Jesus is able to look at a sea in the gospels and say peace be still he's able to look at Jairus' daughter who's sick and dying and say, Talithia Kuma, go in peace. Jesus can bring peace to your diagnosis. He can bring peace to your insecurities. He can bring peace to your past. Isaiah, before he was ever born, referred to him as the prince of peace. And when the angels came to the shepherds out in the field to announce the birth of Jesus, what did they call him? Absolutely. They called him the Prince of Peace, and they said he will bring peace on earth. If there's a storm raging inside of you, let Jesus say, peace be still. Say that with me. Peace be still. When, after his resurrection, Jesus appeared to the disciples in the upper room. And what did he say to them? Peace be with you. It's when the Holy Ghost came. Amen? Can't be saved and filled with the Holy Ghost and be angry all the time. Be upset all the time. Bring your insecurities to the cross. Number two, bring your iniquity to the cross. There are four words for sin in the Bible. Bring our iniquities to the cross. Iniquity is just one of those words. The first one is sin. What does sin mean? It means to miss the mark. Everybody say that. Miss the mark. The Bible says, For all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God, including the guy preaching today. Surprise, surprise. I know y'all thought I was perfect. I'm not. Ask my wife. Ask my real friends, the few I have. Sin means to miss the mark. But if sin becomes a lifestyle, 
the early stages of it, of it becoming a lifestyle, it will cause you to do the next one, trespass. What does it mean to trespass? Trespass means to cross a line. So yes, we all sin, and I don't beat people up for their sins because we all do it. But if your sin has caused you to walk on ground that God never intended for you to walk on, you're on the verge of a crisis. Because now you're outside of God's protection. You've crossed the line. And that leads me to my next word, and that word is transgression. So now you haven't just missed the mark. You haven't just crossed the line. You've now transgressed. And what the word transgress means is it means you've now went from just missing the mark in your flesh because we're on this earth and we, we, we do the wrong things, we, we think the wrong things, we're tempted to do the wrong you, you haven't just missed the mark. You don't just miss the mark. You, you've now crossed the line. And then, oh, I haven't just crossed the line. I, I'm now on ground I never intended to be on. And now I've hurt God's heart. Transgression means to hurt God's heart. It means your missing of the mark has become such a pattern in a lifestyle that it's put you on new ground, and now you've almost become an enemy of the cross. I've been there. That leads to iniquity. Iniquity. It's why we have mass murderers, child abusers, mentally unstable people who do horrendous things that most of you, you can't even fathom why someone would do the things these people do. The Hitlers, the Osama bin Ladens. But what you don't understand is it started with a missing of the mark. Then it led to a crossing of the line. Then they broke God's heart, and then they became an enemy of God. And nine times out of ten, they were abused, they were hurt, they were left abandoned, and they never dealt with it and allowed the God of peace to heal them. And so things just kept getting worse. In a world of war and conflict, Jesus Christ offers us peace. This Easter Sunday, there is peace in a risen Savior. Jesus said, these things I have spoken to you, that in me you may have peace. In the world, you will have tribulations. You will have difficult times and struggles. But be of good cheer. I have overcome the world. When we allow our flesh to rule, we let death operate. But when we are filled with the Spirit of God, His peace is our peace. How many of you can say, Pastor Ronnie, I'm filled with the Spirit of the living God. I have a hero within living on the inside of me. If you're filled with the Spirit, alert your face. <laughs> alert your worship. Are you filled with the Holy Ghost? Are you saved, man? Have you been forgiven? Do you have a purpose? And when people look at you and listen to you, they ought to be drawn to the Prince of Peace. To be drawn to the Prince of Peace is not to be carnally minded, but spiritually minded. Peace is ours as citizens of God's kingdom. I love the Apostle Paul. Some, some people don't like his writings. 
I'm fascinated by them because he's a Jewish man who observed all the Jewish feasts and knew the law better than anybody. He was an educated man, and God saved him, knocked him to the ground, blinded him, and then called him to the Gentiles. So here's this educated man preaching to the Gentiles. And he's always hammering people on their rules. I love it. Romans 14. Righteousness is not a matter of eating and drinking, but of righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Ghost. You flip your rules at me, I'm going to say, my righteousness is in Jesus Christ. My peace is in Jesus Christ. And because of Jesus, I have joy in the Holy Ghost. How many of you say, Pastor Ronnie, I need peace this Easter Sunday? The Bible prophesied that the God of peace will crush Satan under his feet. And at the cross, when that war raged, Satan was defeated. Jesus made a public spectacle of Satan and his demons. I close here. Yes, we should bring our insecurities to the cross. Yes, we should bring our iniquities, our sins, our heartaches, our struggles to the cross. But to the empty tomb, we also can bring our inabilities to the cross and to the empty tomb. Our inabilities. Listen, the God of peace will change your I can't to I can. The God of peace will change your I won't to I will. The God of peace will change your mind. He'll turn your worry into worship. He'll turn your sadness into a song. I'm telling you, he is the God of peace. Many of us don't believe we can achieve or attain because of things that have been said to us. Tough circumstances. But when you embrace the God of peace once and for all, it begins with the changing of the mind. That's what the word repent means. Repent is not a religious word where we just beat you up and go, repent, bless God, repent. Repent means change your mind. I can change your heart with emotional language. I can get you emotional. But if you don't change your mind, then God won't be able to transform it. I believe many of you are longing for peace and God's calling you to change your mind. Bring your inabilities. We carry our inabilities around like a pet. I get tired of hearing my cancer, my ADD, my diabetes, my obesity, my addiction. What is it, your pet? Yeah, I may have these struggles, but I'm not defined by them because of the cross and the empty tomb. Jesus only used screw-ups. The only time he lost his temper was with religious people. Give me a break. He made fishermen preachers. He hung out with tax collectors and prostitutes and the least of these. Look at the people he chose. Peter was a cusser. After he died on that cross, Peter, the guy that cut an ear off for him, just a few days later, was denying. And the Greek indicates that he said, I don't know the blankety-blank whatever 
Did God throw him away? No. He said, you're going to be my first pastor. And you're going to start a movement because I'm going to forgive you and I'm going to restore you. And I've got purpose for you. Let me just list a few. Moses stuttered. Ehud, a king in Judges, was a fat man. I had to include the fat man. Nobody ever includes the fat man. I had to include it. Zacchaeus was short. Elijah had mood swings. Miriam was a gossip. David, you ought to look at his parents, what he was born into. King David. And later he was an adulterer. Sarah was impatient and manipulative. Martha was a worrier. Thomas was a doubter. Jacob was a liar and a deceiver. Stole the birthright of his own brother. And God said, no, you're not Jacob, you're Israel. Peter had anger issues, as I said, and liked to cuss. Paul had major health issues, had been a murderer of Christians when God changed him. But he would pin, my grace is sufficient for you. Power is made perfect in my weakness. Ah, He'll change your I can't to I can because he did. He did. They mocked him and called him king of the Jews. They had Roman soldiers guarding the tomb. And it didn't stop the God of the universe from creating a way for us to leave this cursed earth and inherit a new body and reign with him forevermore. That way is Jesus Christ. See, it's no longer doubting Thomas. That's who he used to be. God saved him. And he saved him when he saw the resurrected Savior. Jesus said, listen, I am the way, the truth, and the life. And no man comes to the Father except through me. Let me tell you this Easter, peace is available to you. I want you to have peace, even in a pandemic, even when you've lost friends, even when you've lost loved ones, even when you've lost your job, I want you to have peace. The only way to attain that is through Jesus. I want you to know this resurrected King. You can know him this morning. Would you like to know him? If you would, bow your head and close your eyes all over this place. If you need Jesus Christ, in your life if you need peace that passes all understanding I'm going to lead you in a prayer but it's really not the words of this prayer it's the nature of your heart is God calling you is he calling you to a new life is he calling you to a life of peace if he is it starts with a relationship with him if you need Jesus Christ to forgive you and save you and fill you up pray this prayer with me online in the house on your phone I don't care Abba's house help me dear Lord Jesus Lord, forgive me of my sins. Please come into my heart and save me. Fill me with your spirit and use me for your glory. With every head bowed and every eye closed, if you prayed that prayer and you're not ashamed of the gospel, if God's really doing something with you, when I exit in just a moment, I'm going to go out in that lobby. I'm going to greet folks leaving. But there's going to be a team of people in a private area out in the main lobby 
It's called guest reception. It's a private room. You'll not be embarrassed, paraded on the stage, any of, any of those things. If you prayed that prayer with me and you'd like me to pray for you, your healing, your peace, I'd be happy to do that out in the guest reception area this Easter Sunday. I won't keep you here all day. I know many of you have plans, but I can't think of anything more important than that. Those of you watching online, if you'll register your salvation decision with us on the app, we'll be in touch with you and help you get started in your relationship with Jesus Christ. Some of you, you've been watching us online. This is your first time back at church since the pandemic, and you want to join Abba's house. You can do that out in that area too. Today may be the day where you say, listen, I want my family to be a part of a house of grace, a place of spirit and a place of truth and a place of grace. If that's you, I'll also be out there with Dr. Jake Carroll and Pastor Angie and many of our teammates will be out there to greet you. But it's important that you make this decision. And it's important that you tell someone, it says in James, we're to confess our sins one to another. But it also says, if you'll not confess me in front of men, I'll not confess you in front of my Father. So I'm begging of you, don't slip out of here without coming to that guest reception room and saying, listen, I prayed to receive Christ, I'd like to be baptized. You can do all of it electronically, but I'd love to meet you today, pray with you, and touch you with a touch of peace from the Father.